Hello and good evening and welcome to episode 122 of Aussie Tells All. Welcome back. Ben, talk some murder tonight. Yes. Actually, <laughs> yes. Um, first guy, not so much. Second guy, yes, definitely. <laughs> Just definitely. Okay. Well, it's been over two months now since our last podcast. It's well overdue. Um, so... Um, what do you have tonight for us tonight on the on the plate for a step for you? Uh, one Russian Ed Gein type <laughs> from uh, a few years ago, and uh, one rip straight from the headlines, uh, murderous border patrol agent. Oh wow! Um, yeah, for me, I have uh, one guy from Texas. Uh, Back in the back in the eighties, um, who just oh yeah, one of mine from Texas. What's that? We got two from Texas then. Yeah, yeah, this guy is really out there, and then this other guy from Minnesota, um, called Paul Stephanie. He's the whoopee eye killer. That guy is pretty freaking weird, also. <laughs> so, uh, let's see how those two go for you. But do you want to go first? Uh, sure. All right. Sure. Why not? I'll choose whatever you want to go first. You go whatever one, which one you're going to choose. Yeah. All right. We'll start with. Uh, oh God, I got like twenty browser windows open here on my laptop, so this this thing is just <laughs> going to fall apart pretty soon. Yeah. Uh-huh. And my my hastily scribbled notes probably all but worthless. This thing just. <laughs> No, no, phone. Okay, so anyway, uh, yeah. Well, it's occurred to me I, I'm still pretty terrible at research. <laughs> I, I was getting really frustrated with this guy. His name is Anatoly Yurovich Moskvin, yeah, yeah. born September first, nineteen sixty-six. And I read like the same basic information about 20 times and uh it seemed like uh, there was not going to find anything else about it and then i started scrambling around you know a few hours ago and found a whole bunch of new stuff that uh obviously i'm not going to get to uh yeah. absorb so we'll just start with we'll just go with the the basic stuff is is really good enough yeah born september 1st 1966 Lived in Nizhny Novgorod, <laughs> which I would like to think is like the Russian equivalent of, uh, you know, a small town in Wisconsin, but it's actually the fifth largest city in Russia. Yeah. But still, the Ed, Ed Gein car- parallels are, <laughs> well, there's a few. Yeah. Ed Gein's pretty amazing because... It's been a long, long time, and still no one's really topped him at doing the thing that he's known for. I'd say that's probably good. Jeffrey Dahmer, well, yeah. yes, good in <laughs> some kind of objective sense, but not good right. for us who are yes. trying to right. trying to do podcasts here. <laughs> Selfish. Yeah, I'd say Jeffrey Dahmer got close, but. This uh, the this Anatoly guy, I would say is is really probably on Ed Gein's level. 
Okay. As far as the creepy weirdness goes. <laughs> so he is or was a Russian academic and linguist. Uh, hmm. to, he's apparently considered by peers to be a genius. Uh, and of course, uh, an eccentric, uh, I'm sure they'd say a, a bit of an oddball. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah, well, I, I imagine that's what they would say. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm not exactly sure uh, what makes him a genius. Maybe uh, he speaks 13 languages, apparently. I guess oh. for me, that would qualify him. I think I could identify 13 different languages. Right. But, and he, he wrote some books. He wrote, let's see. This is, see, this is something I, I, I looked and I couldn't find this stuff. And then just a few minutes ago, I finally found some of the, the books and writing he did. Let's there see. You go. What is it? He did, he did some uh, Russian English translations, which is really cool of him. I wish someone had done some Russian English translations of uh, some of his stuff so that I could look yeah. at it. But uh, let's see, he did a translation, History of the Swastika from Ancient Times to Modern Day, and or Swastika, the earliest known symbol and its migrations. Hmm. So that's interesting there. We found a way to work the Nazis into it, sort of. Yeah. And that also ties into, apparently he was into some occult stuff. Hmm. Okay. But let's back up a little. And I, all right. All right so I, I, I mentioned Ed Gein. So that kind of hints at uh, what this guy gets up to. Mm-hmm. So as a as a child, he liked to walk through cemeteries with his friends while while a schoolboy. Mm. Nothing wrong with that. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And. Actually, I'll save that part, this part till later. His his kind of uh, sort of weak and uh, suspicious. I don't really buy it. Ex- mm. Sort of explanation for why he does the things he does. Okay. So let's cut to uh, when did he get caught? He got caught in about ten years ago or so. Oh, it's recently then. Okay. So this guy, he is. Yeah. He is, uh, let's see, uh, 50s-ish, lives uh, with his parents. He is single and uh, childless and doesn't date and also doesn't drink or smoke. So Mm. that that particularly, he's, like I said, a bit of an oddball. Yeah. His parents must just, uh, they must have been so sick of it. Yeah. It's so sad. I think he was their only kid. Oh, okay. So they're living lives of quiet Russian desperation. Mm-hmm. And he has uh, his hobby. He's a, he is an academic. He's a smart guy, like I said. Yeah. And he, uh, he writes for local papers and uh, he, he translates books and he writes some books. And his deal is cemeteries. He's a, it's called a necropolist which is awesome. That's just uh, uh, a guy who studies the dead or studies, studies cemeteries. That's his area of expertise. 
and yeah. he, he tours these cemeteries in this the 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 area he lives, uh, Novgorod, and mm. yeah, I'm sure Russia is just rich in cemeteries. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so that's his thing, which is itself odd. And uh, apparently, he, he he doesn't he doesn't drive; he just walks everywhere. There you go. So I do. Yeah. Camps out sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You can relate. Yeah. yeah. He he go and he he did long walks just like you. There you go. So obsessed with the dead, obsessed with the uh, rituals and everything. Oh, he has a. Uh, Let's see. What is it? his uh, his his major or what he did in school was he uh, graduated from Moscow State University mm. with a in uh, the philology department that basically study of language uh, in his oral and written in historical sources. You don't say language is his major. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In academic interests, in addition to language, uh, Celtic history and folklore. Mm. Oh, he's kind of like J.R.R. Tolkien. Oh. Uh, minus the murder. Yeah. Huh? Minus the uh, success. Right. I, well, I mean, I guess he was successful in his way. Not, uh, he didn't, like, <laughs> uh, not as popular as Tolkien. Did, yeah. Uh, with, the, with the fantasy and the, the hobbits and whatnot. But I guess he, I don't know, maybe he was respected by his peers and he wrote books. Okay. And he was, uh, I guess, a kind of a creative guy. Yeah. yeah not not as successful as Tolkien. No, no. no. Oh. So that's what he was into. And yep. apparently he had a library. This can't be right. Library of 60,000 books. Cool. Oh, okay, books and documents. So, all right. That, okay. And his hobby, besides, uh, so he likes to read, of course. Yeah. And go to yeah. cemeteries and look around and uh, and write about it. And also, he has he, he collects dolls, pretty big dolls? ones. Dolls. Yeah, he's sort of like uh, uh, like like homemade dolls. Well, I mean, people dolls are pretty easy to make. You uh, right. Go to any thrift store, you can find a bunch of doll making parts. Yeah. And. Yeah, I just uh, I didn't really read hardly anything about his parents, but I I got because he got a picture uh, this guy's dad living with his uh, single childless son in their apartment, and his yeah. son just keeps bringing home or making these these big dolls, and you can just picture him just sighing, and whenever he sees a new one, just sighs sadly and shakes his head. Oh. And he's got a big doll collection. I That's got nice. <laughs> there's video footage. Uh really the the money shot, I suppose, as far as the, the pictures and footage of this guy. There's police, I think it's police footage. Originally I read that it was something he shot he shot this himself, but uh, mm. I, I guess it is police footage of the inside of this apartment and it looks huge oh yeah it looks like really the very spacious very luxurious as far as size goes it's also very messy uh like a bit of hoarding going on mm. 
so there's this video footage and i'm actually i'm watching it right now and it is it is pretty amazing nice yeah you just you got to bring it up because i won't be able to really describe it but it is sure. just incredible horror show stuff because either how uh how he was apprehended uh, one of two ways either his uh, his parents were out a lot and uh, either they came home unexpected or came and talked to him because there were uh, a series of uh, people were tampering with the graves and the police wanted to talk to him about they wanted to consult with him because he was he was the the expert the the renowned cemetery and they found things in his apartment oh yeah and this footage is just uh it's very it's cheap russian camera footage Mm. they're kind of just scanning it's a kind of shaky cam yeah and it zooms in and there's these dolls and they're pretty let's see how to describe well horrific obviously yeah because dolls are the uncanny valley dolls are just naturally pretty scary looking but these are very very special and unique dolls Mm. they zoom in and out event you come to find out that there's little girls in these dolls or these dolls are little girls little dead girls yeah Oh, wow. Thing. That's what makes him such a special guy, besides speaking 13 languages. Right. Let's see. I'm trying to just... Uh, how can I describe what their faces look like? Well, how about... He put the... They, they're not good-looking dolls, for one thing. They're not... Yeah. ...representations of human beings. And they're not that pleasing winging it this is your right so we put wax faces over them that are painted with nail polish oh. it's not really <sighs> the illusion that I was happy he had 20 20 corpses so he killed 26 Girls. Yeah, all dressed up in his apartment, and they're just uh, they're laying around. Well, like you would uh, expect uh, if they were actual dolls, they just kind of just you know been tossed around right. there. So this police footage is yeah, it's just uh, zooming in and out, and it's until you get to a close up, and the when when it zooms in, it genuinely scary just like a, a jump scare in a horror movie because the the faces so, i don't know they got the fake eyes and the wax face well what do you think after a while that the smell will be so bad that you're gonna gonna, gonna handle the, to live there in that same same area with all these corpses well, it a, smells usually something that gives these guys away yeah, but uh, in his method was drying the corpses with a combination 
baking soda. Mm. And uh, kind of left him out for a while, and then he put clothes on him, and apparently, apparently that worked because uh, the, the smell was not a thing. The parents didn't really know. The parents just thought oh, our weird son and his freaking dolls. They didn't <laughs> smell. Didn't yeah, recognize any corpse smell. Right. Where were we? Oh, yeah. Bunch of, yeah, dead girls made into dolls. 26 of them. 26. Yeah. Please, please pick them up. Naturally, they have some questions. Naturally. Yeah. And let's see. The answers he gives. All right. So back to his youth. Basically, yeah. the, the sort of, I find, pat explanation he has for the kind of his kind of obsession with corpses is. At some point in his youthful cemetery ramblings, uh, he came across some kind of uh, group doing some kind of a burial, and uh, some some guy. I have not read this. I didn't read this, but I'm guessing a guy, possibly totally drunk on vodka, made him kiss this girl <laughs> that was about to be married. All right, huh. buried, about to be buried on the forehead, oh. and that. Uh, uh, in his in his uh, explanation, just kind of that's that's what caused him to have this weird obsession. Mm. I think that's a that's a pretty uh, pretty <laughs> weak explanation, but okay. Yeah. And he's also into I honestly I I freaking love this story. It's got so much me to it. Stuff, so much stuff to it. This this guy and I expect a lot of his bullshit, but. Who can really say? So he's big <laughs> into the occult. Yeah, he's got the the the, the ancient druids. He's got that yeah. the ancient uh, Yakuts of from Siberia. Never even heard of them. Yeah, and they have they got their their uh, funeral rites and and traditions, and they. Uh, they would communicate with the dead by just laying on corp or laying on uh, you know the ground where they were buried. I guess that's a very direct hmm. approach, just a few feet yeah. away. So he would do that with these uh, these dead girls, and they would talk to him. He says, <laughs> and okay. they wanted him to kind of rescue them from being in the ground. I see. Uh, very cold because you know it's Russia, and it's Russia, yeah, yeah. And so that's kind of what he would do. And all, he possibly he thought he could bring them back to life in some way. Wait, hold on. So he didn't murder anyone. He just took people from the graves and put them back to his apartment and put them into, into dolls. Is what he did, basically. It's true. This is uh, yeah. I broke the rules a little bit. This guy is a. Uh, Okay, that's okay. Anyone knows total non-murderer. Yeah, this is probably the the least terrible person I've that I've covered on <laughs> on this. <show. laughs> and that's saying not yeah, that's saying a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would say that uh, he never actually hurt any living person, but apparently yeah. he did uh, do some psychological torture to the parents of the oh. children. Which wow. 
honestly, when I got to that part, I thought it was a little out of character because uh, apart from the weirdness, this is a pretty, obviously a very lonely and uh, fairly pathetic guy. He looks like in his, his mugshot, he yeah. totally looks like a homeless guy. Maybe one sure. had a, a shave kind of recently, but total homeless guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, possibly a virgin, not known for any kind of dating or anything uh, like that. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, he wanted to adopt a daughter at some point. And the authorities said, hell no. <laughs> Because of course they would. That would be. Yeah. You can't. Yeah, you can't do that. Even oh, if he's really, a really nice guy. I mean, that's just nah. Yeah. No, we right. can't. A little girl, Mister. Yeah. Right. So he found a bunch of little girls. <laughs> and I swear. Uh, I read this and I uh, just I'm like I just uh, again I just feel like someone's someone's screwing with me just because they want to tell a, a good spooky story but apparently he had tea parties with them he would talk with to the, them with corpses yeah yeah oh, other wow. dolls i mean yeah that, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he would talk to them sing to them they would so ce- they would celebrate he would celebrate their birthdays he was a, a bit of a historian as i said so yeah. he he had researched these girls' brief histories. Oh, ages. Uh, these uh, girls were between the ages of 3 and 15, apparently. 3 and 15? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. When I said girls, I mean, like, yeah, actual girls. girls. Actual girls, yeah. And possibly, and this, uh, several sources said this part was just made up. I don't know why people insist on making stuff up when this mm-hmm. should really be sufficient, but possibly he put music boxes in their chest just so, huh. so they would make music, which I guess made the whole thing more pleasant. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, I mean, he was doing the best he could with the, the faces. It, it was uh, the, the whole, the doll thing, the, the bodies would atrophy. And so we would wrap them in, uh, uh, wrap them in, up and just to kind of thicken up a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the results they, they speak for themselves. Or if when you see the see the video, and it's yeah. it's only two minutes long, but I guess it's okay. pretty effective. So yeah, that was his thing. He uh, had all these little girls and twenty six of them, and mm-hmm. that's really a lot in one apartment. Yeah. yeah. This and but like I said, it seems like it's a pretty big apartment. I don't know. Yeah. Well, let me ask. Let me ask you this though. Like, first thing is, how long of a span did this did this go? And then option. Then part two of that is, did he get them like like at night, like at night when over at night, got them in the middle of night when people were asleep, or how did he get the bodies to his apartment and all that? Uh Let's see, uh, uh, 10, 10 or 20 years, 20 years, he claimed. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I believe he said been, yeah, we'll, we'll put the span between 10 and 20 years. Okay. Probably leaning towards 20. Uh, 
as far yeah. as uh, when he did this, mm-hmm. I would guess at night. I mean, he well, yeah. he was out there all night. He was camping. Uh, I'm guessing it was pretty fairly remote. There not, yeah. not a lot of people around. Uh, you know, that's a very good question because he was also didn't have a car. So what the hell right. was he getting? Yeah, that's that is an interesting way. That, yeah, if they don't have a car to transport, I mean. That's, that's... I guess they might have fit in a backpack, but... Mm. Huh. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So, last thing I read about him, and this mm-hmm. was... Uh, I, I went to, of course, the good old Wikipedia page, just looking for <laughs> more stuff. Yeah. I find, there's like a... I finally found there's like a half hour long dark histories about this Oh, okay. This British guy's talking. He's oh, I have not heard from any other source. <laughs> and well, I'll finish it later. There's really there's enough just on the Wikipedia page, honestly. Yeah. The last thing I was going through the the uh, the, the the references at the end, mm-hmm. and the, the various news articles. The last one from 2018 is not actually referenced in the the article itself but it is oh he's finally he finally got a name they, oh. they named him they gave him a, a serial killer name oh okay so he's not really the mummy right. master <laughs> not bad not bad oh, not bad okay yeah I, I was trying to think up a good one for him and I, yeah. yeah that's that's not bad right. and the story is he Oh, did I mention he, they? Well, this probably won't come as a surprise, but they found him insane. And oh, really? Him. Yeah. Who knew? Uh, paranoid schizophrenic. Yeah. They say. And they, 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 yeah, they put him away. For how long? For life? Oh, forever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. And the last. All right, wait, hold on. I got to save that. I, I left out the part. I, t- I said he psychologically tortured the, the parents. Yeah. All right. Well, he's, he's, that's the other part of the story. The, the, the dark side, if you will, <laughs> Moskvin, because uh, the other stuff is just super horribly creepy. Mm-hmm. But really, uh, no, no living person's getting hurt. I'm, but I found a one story from uh, one of the, uh, British papers, w- one of the tabloidy ones. It was the uh, Sun or the Daily, mm-hmm. and it was the the story of one of the uh, the the mother of one of the girls that he dug up, and mm-hmm. it was weird. This is the only kind of story about the the parents that I could find, and it's kind of like a, a movie. Like this 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 story is just a stand a stand in for all of them. So right. this woman. Uh, has a daughter daughter is uh horribly murdered by uh some junkie mm. and buried and anatoly digs her up and does and turns her into a doll there's actually yep. you can see pictures of this specific girl so you can see the before and after pictures mm. not a great resemblance really right but apparently anatoly would leave things on her grave like on her birthday and on uh, holidays and also mm-hmm. 
leave pretty mean spirited messages for the parents. Like, oh my God. Uh, to the effect of you abandoned your little girl into the ground, but I rescued her. And wow, that's some creepy shit. Angel. Yeah, it is. And I think a lot of the, the parents probably had no idea that their child had been removed from the grave because if he got to them uh, soon after they were buried, then, you know, it just looks like a recently dug grave. You know, no, yeah. no. But he was leaving signs because, as I said, the police were sniffing around, investigating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, he left these mean-spirited messages and eventually it all and they had no idea they, they talked to the police the police were like eh, we can't do anything apparently right right but he did get found out eventually and the the mother uh learned all this and she was naturally pissed mm-hmm. and she was divorced from her husband you know their lives were destroyed when their daughter was murdered of course right so yeah the article was just uh how about the things he was doing to her for some reason i have no idea if he was doing this with any of the other parents or if mm-hmm. a particular girl was his favorite yeah or what but well the weird twist at the end is the uh insane asylum that he ended up in yeah right next to where she lives now oh shit yeah that's crazy like why would that what that's crazy um let me ask you before you I'm not sure more to say on this, but how did they figure out it was him? Like what what was the thing that led to him? Mm, well, I I read two versions. Uh first is uh mom and dad. Mom and dad were, were out a lot. Uh you know, of course I'm sure everyone was happier that way. I don't know if they're going on trips or what, but they came home early. Mm-hmm. And they found one of these dolls in a, I don't know, an undressed state. It, mm. they, they, th- they just thought these were dolls. Yeah. And their son was a big weirdo. Actually, right. They thought this. But they, they learned that, that, nope, there's actually actually dead girls. And they called the police. Other version oh. okay. uh, was that the, the police were asking around and they were consulting with him. Because he was the the cemetery expert, and then they <laughs> they figured it out while they were in yeah. the apartment, which would be an incredible scene, really. Yeah. That, that's right out of uh, Red Dragon, uh, with hmm. Bill Graham and Hannibal Lecter, kind of. Yeah, yeah. How can you? How is that possible? <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. That then that would be pretty amazing. I think that's that's definitely a better a better story than just yeah. mom and dad narking him out right <sighs> still mom and dad would be like ah, well he'll finally be out of the house i think they'd want to move true the place true. is so big yeah once, once you all the all the dolls it's going to be seem so much bigger exactly and i would assume that they returned the bodies to each grave site or they couldn't recognize who the girls were so they weren't really able to do that uh i would imagine no i think no they i'm sure they could have uh identified them for one thing he he like he he was a historian he kept records he 
Oh, okay. Yeah. So they, they probably, well, I would hope so. I mean, damn. Yeah. Right. So the final story from yeah. Wikipedia 2018, the, the last update, I, mm-hmm. I looked I looked up these, well, there's two articles. I looked them up. They're uh, from Russian web pages, and I was just waiting in vain for the damn pop-up to, to translate it all. <laughs> the gist of it, the headline was uh, Anatoly Moskvin, the mummy master, decides to marry. Oh, God. No idea if anyone had decided to marry him, but he had apparently right. decided to marry. He's lonely, as I as I said. Yeah. Oh, by the way, it's perfectly natural to ask, as, as natural as anything in the story is, was he having sex with these uh, dolls? Apparently not. Okay. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. But he does want to marry now, and there's a little video. He he, he he got a little chubby. He gained some weight, like Ed Gein did when he went to the asylum. And yeah, that's well. We'll we'll see if he and he does indeed find the right woman, or yeah, or something. I don't know. Yeah. Wow, that's an incredible story you had there. I think so. I, I, yeah. I'm well now. Now that I found this new stuff, I'm gonna keep looking. But because uh, I was, I was getting very frustrated. It's like, how can there not be a ton more information about this? This is like I exactly. said, like the the Russian Ed Gein. Exactly. If you have, if you get any more information, we'll have it. We'll have it follow for next time you're on for follow up follow up details. Okay. Uh, on the next one. So now. I have one of two I can start with. Um, they're both fairly long, I think, but um, you can choose either Texas or Minnesota to start out. Mm. All right. Uh, how about uh, how about Texas? I, I, Texas? I don't know anything about this guy. I, I, yeah. I watched the video you, you sent about about. Old, old weepy voice from Minnesota. But, uh, right. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is with this favorite. Yeah, he, yeah. This guy I didn't even know about until I looked him on YouTube. But um, th- this guy was named. His name is Farian Wad- Wardrip, and uh, he on December twenty first of nineteen eighty four. The location was Wichita Falls, Texas. Um. Lisa Boone finishes her shift at a hospital. Before I say anything, I want to say this: these, these, this, the two I watched, they were both um, cold case files done by Bill Curtis. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's pretty awesome. It's, it's pretty cool. But anyways, um, so so Lisa Boone finishes her shift at a hospital. She finished. She finds her roommate. 20-year-old Terry Sims found naked and dead and been stabbed in the neck and back, hands tied behind her back with electrical cord around her neck and raped. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's... It's, it's, yeah. And then February 15th, 85, uh, Charlie Hayes finds 23-year-old um, Tony Gibbs 
RN, no clothes on, bludgeoned to death, found outside Wichita Falls County. So another investigation is underway in a different county. So this guy, this, the first one he did was in this one county. Number two is a different county. So they're different. different the you know, yeah, so they're different they're little. Yeah, and it was planned. It's well planned out for this guy to do that. Um, now, October 10th, 85, Donald Morgan finds 21-year-old Ellen Blau, been missing for a month, is found dead, massive blow to the skull, body dumped. So three bodies found within five miles of each other, and none of the agencies never shared notes on what they found. So <laughs> they're like, hmm, does this sound familiar? Does this, you know, they didn't even compare anything at all. So that's kind of weird. You say they're different what? counties, but there are there counties that are uh, like next to each other. They're within five miles of each other. Oh, yeah, God. yeah, yeah. They're very close. Yeah, they're very close. Yeah. Um, now of the three murders, police can only pin down one suspect, and that was from the Tony Gibbs murder. They believe it's career thief Danny Laughlin. Oh, well, okay. I'm looking at Murderpedia now. Yeah, I've seen uh, that that bus. Okay, all right. So I, I've seen I, I do know I've seen a little of this before. You have before, okay. I've seen this bus. Yeah, it's a scary bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, so Danny Laughlin, who think they think this is going to be on, um, so he says he was in the field where Gibbs was found. Um, he was arrested and and bragged to inmate about the murder. Got he got a hung jury and he got he, got, he, he now he gets to walk. So he pretty much confessed to murder he never committed and then he got on hung jury. So he walked anyway. Hmm. He wanted the notoriety of the media notoriety of of this murder, huh. false confession. You know. Yeah. The... Believe it. Apparently, that's yeah. yeah. Yep, pretty much. Um, now, March 1990. So this is six years after he started his murders. So 1990. Um, Wichita Falls, Texas, DNA comes into play for the first time. Uh, semen is tested. Danny Laughlin is cleared back to square zero. So their guy, they thought they had him, was cleared. So now he's out of the picture. Yeah, but he wasn't he already? He got a hung jury, right? So wasn't he, well, yeah, but he was just waiting for a new the, trial. I yeah, pretty much yeah. All right, but yep. So he was cleared for that. He's been very disappointed. He's like, dang, and I wanted to go to jail. <laughs> uh, he got what he but, wanted, actually. So damn, yeah, he got all the notoriety, and he didn't have to do the time. Exactly. Now the the DA takes the semen sample from two of the cases to be tested against each other and it was from the same individual so they know it's one person doing these murders um now over a dozen suspects were tested and no matches but then now january 12th 
1999, 15 years since the murders, Tony Little takes over the investigation. He's a, 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 a cold case detective, and he makes connection with Farian Wardrip on the Ellen Blau case. Um, <clears throat> he was on the case file as someone who knew her. So his name, so Wardrip's name was on the case file the whole time that he, that he knew her. Yeah, which, nobody which kept... was this? Blau. What's that? Which victim? Blau. Ellen Blau, who was murdered. Yeah. Yeah. So he found his name on the, on that case file as, uh, as someone that, that she, that she knew him. Um, but 13 years earlier, he he confessed to killing 21-year-old Tina Kimbrew on his way to jail that that day, and he knew of another murder victim, Ellen Blau. Dot dot dot. Um, what? I, you know, they like the notoriety. I guess I don't know. Uh, but. On May 6th, 1986, is when Tina was killed, and he called the police and confessed and faced 35-year-old prison sentence. Um, Ten years into the se- to his sentence, the father of Tina comes to talk to him, to his daughter's killer, and they had the video of it as well so on the doc i saw doc mary i saw it was pretty chilling um a year later he's released on mandatory parole um did texas release a serial killer back in yeah mandatory parole mandatory yeah okay Um, wait did that was their talk interesting were they talking oh oh yeah um so he was well he went basically he wanted to know why he did it and he said he was bored and he he went step by step through what he did to her and Ugh. like 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 a cold blooded killer like he like he like no he he's, he says he was sorry um they shook hands everything but Ugh. um it was it was hard to watch, actually. It really was. I'm looking at pictures. He looks like, uh, oh God, what's his name? The 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 actor that plays uh, in Reanimator. I wouldn't know that. Yeah, well, in one of the pic- in one of these court pictures, damn, these crime scene pictures are brutal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so he was a year a year later. He was released to mandatory probation. Did Texas release a serial killer back into society? Now, John Little, investigator, investigator Wardrip, lives by the base where Ellen Blau went missing. And he lived in the same building as Blau just across the hall. So Wardrip lived in the same building across the hall from her. So they knew her pretty well. She knew him pretty well. Um, employment record, 1984. He, uh, he worked as a janitor at 
Wichita, Kansas State Hospital at the same time as Terry Sims, who worked there as an RN. So that's that connection. Uh, That brings us to Tony Gibbs. She was found two blocks down from Wardrip's apartment. And John Little brings all evidence to the DA. He was not in CODIS, which is the the national um, DNA, you know, thing for criminals and so forth, um, for DNA, uh, because Texas law, you get blood drawn only for sexual offense, not murder. Oh, the first one wasn't a sexual offense? Well, it was murder. It wasn't one of the sexual. The first one, it was a, it was a murder, so he didn't get drawn blood. So, um, But yeah, that's why he wasn't... Yeah. Blood from Perry, or what was his name? He's got a well, weird so, name. Yeah. Ferry. Um, Farian. That's a name. <laughs> exactly. Wardrobe and is not. Yeah, absolutely. And then on February 5th, 1999, John Little goes to only Texas, where Wardrip now lives. He goes to shack, he goes to the shack to do some laundry to stake out the situation. Now, he come, you know, so he comes out with, so Wardrop comes out with a coffee cup. So I'll say this, he was, Wardrop's on, on a work release. So he's, he, he can only leave his house for work and that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. So, and stuff like that. But so he, he comes out with a coffee cup and, and crackers. He still has the cup in his, in his hand, then dumps it into the trash bin. And then John Little goes up to Wardrop, asks if he has a spit cup he can have. He says, sure, help yourself. Now, in this trash bin, there are a ton of these same cups in the bin. So it can be kind of hard to find the right one. But he found the cup he had with the cheese crackers, and he's off to the lab with the DNA. Now, in a shocking development, it's a match for the two murders, Terry Sims and Tony Gibbs. And then on February 13th, 1999, John Little meets Wardrip to try to get confession for the Blau murder. He does not confess, but to his surprise, He's under arrest for a capital murder. Um, right, exactly. Well, I um, a few years after OJ, he's probably heard of. Him. Yeah. Ninety-nine. Yep. yep. All right. Now his his brother speaks to police. They tell him they got DNA match for both murders. And he tells his brother, and now he wants to talk to cold case investigator John Little. So on February 16th, 99, he gives a full 
the full details of all the of the murders. Then he confessed to the to the to the Ellen Blau murder. So at this point, he is responsible for four murders. Um, and then uh, he has one more story to tell. He confessed to killing twenty five year old Deborah Taylor, March twenty fourth, nineteen eighty five, in Fort Worth, Texas, bringing his kill count to five. Mm. And then. November, November 1999, found guilty on one count of murder and confessed to the three other murders. He is sentenced to a lot to die by lethal injection. And finally, he is currently still in jail waiting his execution. Texas. My God, it's been 19 years. What's happening in Texas? I know. I mean... Especially in Texas, where they had their pro death penalty. First, yeah. the mandatory parole, and now this. I don't know what to believe in anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's always nice when they clear the cold cases. Right. Mm. So, your thoughts on that that whole uh, long long? It went from eighty four to ninety nine, basically fifteen years. Basically, it took. Yeah. Well. Well, hopefully he well, it sounded like he was kind of volunteering stuff at the end there. So yeah. there uh, aren't any more that he's keeping to himself. Seems like there definitely could have been. I mean, yeah, they they weren't exactly hot on his trail for most of that. Right. Exactly. All right. So let's go with you said you have a very short one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was kind of trying to take it easy on myself here it's a little <laughs> overwhelming so i went with a, a non-murderer for a change just to really Again? Guy. and then <laughs> uh, i was considering yeah. doing the uh the the what was it solar temple People, yeah cult uh that was a, that's very very big interesting story but there was a lot of it so and then but then this thing just kind of fell into my lap a few uh just a few days ago september mm-hmm see well just a few weeks ago this was basically when we were originally planning on doing this cast this would have been right. very fresh but uh let's see name Juan david ortiz brand hmm. new american serial killer very topical not just because it just happened but uh because it's he's a, a border patrol agent hmm so yeah, I mean that's all you know. The, the, the president and the wall and the immigration and the border patrol is all it all comes together. Wow. Necessarily, mostly this he, this guy he, he murders murders prostitutes mm. or sex workers. Right. A killed four, and uh, all of them suspected sex workers, and tried to kill another who got away and I so basically I wanted to do this because it had, it had just happened so there were very very few details <coughs> bare bones yeah. so I could just kind of report on all that and it would be complete but uh, since then there's been a just there's a big long press conference that revealed I'm certain a ton of information and I've gotten very little of it Mm. 
they still got the bare bone stuff and murder, murder the prostitutes. Someone was reporting that there was a, a man mixed in there with the victims, but huh. Wikipedia says, so I don't know how they got that wrong, but anyway. Right. Yeah. And apparently these are not, not random sex workers that he just uh, found. These are ones that he knew. He knew. Okay. Yes. So first one, let's see, span of, uh, September 3rd, he, uh, he kills two. Yeah. He, uh, he kills them. I don't know what his motive is. Mm-hmm. He, he is, as, as you, you might guess from his name, Juan David Ortiz. He's a Hispanic man. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's kind of a, this is kind of a boring serial killer. And then he's, <laughs> he, he uh, hunts within his own ethnic group. Yeah. And shoots him with a <clears throat> with a gun, like our own Spokane serial killer, Mr. Uh, whatever his boring ass name was. Yeah. And he's not that good at it. Well, the <laughs> because the, the second one, I think it was the second one, well, she does die eventually, but she is not dead at the scene they get her to a hospital but okay she, she does die eventually third yeah. gets away uh mm. i haven't it seems like there must be a good story there yeah managed to get out of the car and get away from this guy so she but i haven't heard it yet she booked it and found a regular policeman who was uh sympathetic luckily to her story and got her to a hospital and they started looking for this guy, but he killed another two before they mm. apprehended him, uh, I guess, sleeping in his truck in a parking lot somewhere. Mm. So what's unique about this guy is that uh, it's, he's almost a mass uh, or a spree killer. Because yeah. The, so these crimes happened just the span of crimes was september 3rd to september 16. so like like on 13 days then two weeks basically yeah and usually you know cool down period be you know months few weeks right but this guy's just bang 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 i i probably he knew that after the 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 third attempted victim got away that you know he his number was up and yeah, he thought it was important to just kill as many more sex workers as he could, and he got mm. to before they picked him up. So I haven't got any word on motive yet. Yeah, I guess. And... Hmm? Oh, so I assume that he's still in jail. Then he's not. Yeah, he's yeah. still in jail. What was it? What was his bond? Two and a half million dollars. I don't think. He was oh. Out. Okay, that's a long, that's a pretty ran, ransom. Now, is this um, where is this at um, location? This is uh, well, definitely near the border in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, a oh, it's in Texas. Yeah, yeah. This is our okay. Texan. Hold on, what is the name of the town? Oh, what, oh, here we go. Yeah, this is mean. Right, so. Back to the, the 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 time frame, uh, Melissa Ramirez, twenty nine, murdered September thirteen. So then there is uh, a little stretch of time. Claudine Ann 
Gura, 42, murdered <laughs> September 13, and then the and then two were murdered the same day, uh, Griselda and Nikki, 35 and 28, on September 15. So he That's murdered two people one day, two people other, so two people per day. He did. He did that. Yep. Wow. So at this point, he's under arrest. He's in jail. Now they're going to wait for a trial. Then yeah, go from there, basically. He's confessed. It's really uh, pretty, yeah. pretty cut and dried. And I don't cut know. and dry case, yeah. So uh, hopefully the Melissa Ramirez uh, from September was actually his first victim. I don't know if they know that. That seems to be what they believe. I don't uh, not sure, not sure how, why or how they know that. Mm-hmm. He's confessed to at any rate. Yeah, and right. So no word on motive yet. My I suspect this is just from looking at him that uh, he's got he's just uh, got a stupid Green River Killer thing going on. It's like yeah, yeah, dirty, and I hate them, and I kill them. Exactly. Yeah, it's probably pretty typical. I mean, <laughs> that's a, that's just a guess. And in appearance, right. his mugshot anyway, he looks a lot like Mr. Plinkett, who did the famous review of Star Wars Episode One. <laughs> that's just what he looks like to me. Okay. He probably that's probably you know I don't know if he really looks like that, but that's how he appears in his mugshot. Yeah. That's how I'm going to think of him. There you go. All right, let's close it down with a murder spree from the Twin Cities, St. Paul, Minnesota, and Minneapolis, Minnesota. A place where you might not think murder takes place, but, you know, but it does. Um, This is this guy I'm doing. It's the weepy-voiced killer, Paul Stephanie. Um, so on December 31st, so, so New Year's Eve, basically 1980, St. Paul, Minnesota, Karen Potick joins her sisters in the Twin Cities. She's out at a local establishment celebrating the new year. She leaves alone at midnight. Three hours later the police respond to a call from a call from a man who sounds like a woman who says, so basically I'll say this. So he was basically like, he would call the police with a high pitched voice as a woman. So, so, you know what I said there. So, um, so he says in this voice, she's laying by the railroad tracks, hurt in a snowbank. She is naked, body beaten, and survives, but no, mer- no memory who tried to kill her. So she didn't know who killed her. Um, she had no memory of it. And then, oh, then he hangs up the phone too. He hangs up the phone on the police, on the dispatch. All the time. It's, it's always, it always hangs up the phone every time. It's kind of um, kind of a weird thing he does. But um, yeah. in the summer, yeah, go ahead. I didn't think he sounded like a, a woman so much as he just, just a really. He's, he sounds well, like, yeah, he's weepy, weepy voiced. It's just, it's very. It's yeah, like, I guess, whiny, yeah. Whiny. I guess that's true, yeah. 
hits a weepy guy, but in a high pitched voice though. Unfortunately, yeah, it's a high pitched voice. Um, but in the summer of nineteen nineteen eighty one, another call is made to St. Paul police. And he, and he says, just stabbed someone with an ice pick. I just can't stop myself. Hangs up, find a body on the freeway. So the police come to, come to the scene. They found 61 puncture wounds of 18-year-old high school graduate, graduate Kimberly Campton. And then five days later, I mean, after the body was found, Weepy calls police again. He says, don't talk, just listen. I am sorry what I did to Campton. I couldn't help. I don't know why I stabbed her. If I get locked up, I'll kill myself. And then hangs up. Hmm. Yeah. Um, police released the audio of the call to media to the media. People believe who the man is, but six months go by, no arrests, no suspects. Um, they believe who the man is. Yeah, yeah, they think they know, but the, the public thinks they know is, but they don't, they can't get anyone to, they can't get a suspect to know in that time frame. Mm-hmm. For at this time, um, so on August sixth, nineteen eighty two, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Another woman is found stabbed to death. This is 40-year-old Barbara Simons. Two days later, he calls again. I'm sorry I killed her. I stabbed her 40 times. I'm going to kill myself. Hangs up. A serial killer is on the loose. St. Paul and Minneapolis police work together for a change. Unlike our, our previous story. Um, to go through 169 photos of mugshots of felons of felons in the area. Every, everyone was cleared except for one man, Paul Stephanie. Paul was a 37-year-old custodian with a history of psych- psychiatric problems along with aggravated assault conviction hmm. um yeah then we, then we go back a ways march 1977 fired from his manufacturing uh, plant job just three years later karen pollock was attacked along just a few hundred yards from that plant now, um, police are following him, and they lost him, so he's still loose. The red light district in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 21st, 1982. Denise Williams was a prostitute, was a sex worker, I'm sorry, was a sex worker wrecking those streets. And Paul drives up, deal is struck, you know, you know, and all that and then it gets in she gets in the car and his and it gets in the car in his apartment he offers to drop her off but he takes a scenic route to a quote shortcut 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now here's where the story gets great, I think. I, I um, agree. This is my favorite part, definitely. This is this is amazing. Um, so she sees a tab bottle, it's a, a pop bottle, on the on the floor of his car. He pulls into the she pulls into a dead end, then t- takes a screwdriver and stabs her in the stomach. She grabs the bottle, hits him in the head. He starts bleeding everywhere, poked him with the bottle over and over again. She gets out of the car. She screams. She screams. This man hears her. Paul is stabbing Denise, and she's beating him with, with the bottle at the same time. So going back and forth at the same time. Um, so then the man who, who hears her screams confronts Paul, and he takes some jabs at the man, at the man and stops the screwdriver yep so the guy so the guy so paul stephanie tries to take jabs at the guy who wants to help her and then at the man then stops and gets into his car and he drives away and then being furiously i'm sure well that that's coming up next yes absolutely denise has what's that Oh, I imagine he was weeping during the car car ride, just to himself, oh. out on the phone. Oh, to, oh, to himself, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Think, absolutely. Yeah, some self pity. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. Now, Denise has fifteen puncture wounds. Weepy voice killer calls police, but this time, he's calling for help. <laughs> this is so funny i mean uh, oh so ironic but he gives his location this time i'm all cut up and i got beat up (laughs) that's what he says and uh police connect the dots with denise williams meeting so they go to the hospital and id id him now he's booked on attempted murder charges. My God, haven't they already connected the dots? They had this guy, and then they lost him. Well, with with the niece, with the niece in particular, they found out that he did that to her. To her, so then he found it's like, yep, that's our guy. That's our guy. Yeah, the so same. Didn't do much really. The uh, uh, the, this woman, uh, Denise, she really did all the work. Yeah. And then he, he called the police to get picked up. Yeah. Great that they work together, but they really needn't have, have bothered. Exactly. And uh, so he denies any, any involvement of any murders and in, in charged with murder of Barbara Simons, they linked his voice to the tapes to Weepy Voice Killer for Simon's case. Now, on Feb- February 1985, his sister, his sister, testified the voice was her brother's, and he's found guilty. Forty years, set, uh, prison sentence for forty years. You only got forty. Um, forty years. Um, in Saint Paul, freaking voice. What's I bet his sister hated that voice. She probably heard it all the time growing up. Oh, for sure. And then uh, in St. Paul, prosecutors put a hold 
on the other two cases would be voiced killer. Oh, right, because he didn't get he didn't get convicted for the other ones. Right. The year is 1997, and St. Paul and prosecutors got a call from Oak Park's facility. Paul Stephanie was diagnosed with cancer and wanted to clear the slate with St. Paul police. So he admits to beating Pot tuck with a tire iron a good 20 times. And then he then confesses to murder of Kim Compton. But one more confession. He drowned a 33-year-old Kathleen Greening in Roseville, Minnesota in 1982. And finally, Paul died on June 12th, 98 of cancer. Weeping all the way, I'm sure. Yeah. So, there you, ha- there you have it, basically. That's the story of Paul Stephanie Weepy-Voiced Killer. Hmm. I had, a, I had a couple thoughts about Paul. Yeah. Well, first off, well, first, yeah, like you said, Denise was the, the best part of the story. Yeah. The, the prostitute that uh, shivved him with the tab bottle mm-hmm. in, in her interview it was uh, she she made him when she saw him she's like this guy this guy is a creep this yeah trouble and it's really really refreshing just because it so often doesn't go this way of these stories that uh, the uh, she's really got street smarts yeah which is good because she's working the streets and yep. she's still she still gets in the car with him, though. Yep. Called working girls. And you, you got to make that money, I guess. Right. But she was quick with the tab bottle. The tab bottle. Mm-hmm. She had that ready. and it. But it is very fortunate that he decided to use a screwdriver as his yeah. weapon. That's right. a terrible choice, but good <laughs> for Denise. Right. Imagine it was just an amazing see something to see like them her stabbing him over and over with the tab bottle and him stabbing her with a screwdriver uh, right yeah i'm glad she uh well i guess they both they both walked away from it but right and uh i didn't hear any follow-up about her but uh i'd like to imagine that the, you know her her life turned around and she's doing fantastic now or something absolutely hope so yeah uh, and that's probably not the case. So I'm definitely not going to look into that. Right. But uh, yeah, so Paul Weepy Voice, yeah, in his interviews, he's, uh, you know, a, a real creep, of course, uh, real self-pitying, very pathetic. And the, the stories he's telling, he's just, you know, uh, in his telling, he's kind of trying to make a friend, but not much good at it. Yeah. Actually... Yeah, he jumps to murder pretty quickly. Actually. He did. So, uh, yeah. His voice, it, listen to the phone calls are, of course, what the, you know, what this case is uh, named for and kind of known for. And they are very weird. They're so, they're so damn weird. It's just 
I was listening to him and I was like, I just is this guy joking around or is he serious or what? He's just yeah, so odd. Right. Kind of just seems like you know he might be kind of giggling to himself, but he might be completely mm-hmm. sincere with his. Oh, I feel bad. Please stop me. He you probably know? was sincere about that, but he... I think I kind of think he he was, but he just he sounds so weird that it I, it feels like he's pulling pulling my leg a little bit. Or right. Police. I don't think that's it because that would be this was uh back in what was it the seventies eighties. Yeah. Okay. Now, so I sent you that documentary, so I assume you watched the whole thing then, I assume. Yes. Yeah. Um, what did you make of the inter- the um, they showed the interviews with him and the police in, the, in that room? What did you think of, the, of that? Uh, let's see. What... Well, yeah, that's when he was, uh, you know, confessing he was, he was, to the murders, confessing. Yeah, and he was very uh, self-pitying. He's well, I mean, he pretty much just in general kind of sucked at life. Like he gets fired from his job, and he feels real bad, so he kills a woman uh, nearby where he got fired from. And then yeah, he uh, makes tries to make a new friend, some woman who's new in town, and then uh what was the story he tried to put the moves on her and she's like hell no and yeah is that about it yep yep yeah and he is, is uh, uh never married nothing about a girlfriend so just you know just kind of that kind of a loser yeah okay i think that... and he, he had a weird when he was talking about like murder itself or killing uh he was very cavalier about it, wasn't it? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, just like, uh, yeah, that's what people do, right? They kill each other. Um, like, actually, no, they don't. Well, I mean, they do, but I mean, not it's frowned upon, <laughs> it, it, right? And he had a weird. He was kind of uh, balding, I believe. Yeah, and he had. <laughs> His face is all messed up because of because the of the beating he had. He had the bandage, the bandage on his face under his eye. Oh, from the the tab bottle. Yeah. Oh, too bad she didn't get his eye. I know that'd be amazing. Even better. Yeah. Yeah, he was a. How many people did he kill? Uh, five. Five. Oh. Yeah, because he because he had four, and then he had one extra one at the end. He gave. He gave. Well, I guess I'll give him credit for that since he didn't actually have to do that. Right. Mm. Exactly. Well, um, it is getting late, um, but I do want to thank you for coming on the podcast tonight talk about murder and so forth and not murder in your case. Well, even that, was, there, was, there was a murder involved in there. It just wasn't done by the guy. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that, that was a very. Yeah, the first one he did was a very um, interesting case. I really enjoyed that one. Don't forget to look up that video. Uh, how do you just send it to me and I'll 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 watch it. Well, yeah, yeah. you just type in and 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 uh, and Moskvin 
on YouTube, and it'll be oh, like okay. two and a half minutes long. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, um, I have to let you go. We got to do um, we'll have to figure. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on, and you have a great night, and we'll talk to you later. You too. Good night. Yeah. Yep.